This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now, the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is offering bonus content to Fable and Folly Plus supporters, including character creation and how-to-play episodes, plus cast and crew outtakes, all still entirely ad-free. Fable and Folly Plus. Sign up today at fableandfolly.com slash plus. Omniverse. The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Visit CthulhuMystery.com and head to Patreon.com slash Omniverse Media to join our community of fans and unlock further secrets. Hi there. I'm Cap Blackard, showrunner of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. Recently, we launched a Patreon-exclusive companion show to our series. It's called Cthulhu Cthomentary, and it's an episode-by-episode exploration of the dark recesses of Mystery Program. Since our show is both improvised storytelling and historical fiction, there's a lot that doesn't make it to the final product. But in Cthulhu Cthomentary, we share all our secrets. The role-playing paths not taken, the obscure historical and cultural references, and, of course, the -the behind-the-scenes tales about all the mayhem of making these stories up as we go along, the scenes that got deleted, and a lot more. We have... So much fun lifting the curtain and showing how our sinister sausage is made. So we wanted to give you a taste. To whet your appetite for this and all the other wriggling Cthulhu content safely stowed on our Patreon, where the seekers of truth and initiates gather to pour over this dark knowledge. You can find it all at patreon.com slash omniversemedia, and I'll share more details at the end of this episode. For your listening pleasure, we've selected Cthomentary for Terror Comes A-Knockin', the first episode of Series 1, The Black Birth. In it, you'll hear myself, Keeper Luke Stram, and sound designer Colin Peterson reveal the origins of Father Grandfather's impactful and highly problematic entrance. We explore the evolution of our RPG audio drama production style and also share early demos of the mystery program intro and main theme. And that's just for starters. So, strap yourselves in. I mean, get it good and tight. And dare to gaze into the undulating chasm. Beyond the veil. Beyond the mystery. And into the horrifying and hilarious truth of Cthulhu Cthomentary. Welcome to Cthulhu Cthomentary. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Luke. Hi, I'm Colin. And this is a Patreon-exclusive show where we dissect the episodes of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program one by one. Last episode, we explored the prehistory of the show, all the work that went into making the series happen at large, and now 
we're getting into the nitty-gritty with episodic breakdowns. In this installment, we'll be talking about episode one, Terror Comes A-Knocking. So, we all have listened to episode one for the first time in, I presume, quite some time. Yeah. (laughs) Before we move on to the full content of the episode, we'll tackle the ad at the top of the episode for Pitch Black Coal Company, the finest anthracite from deep within the bosom of the Cactus Mountains. There's a lot of references in the adverts in the show, but uh, this one's pretty simple. I just let me some light notes on how coal was advertised and stuff about coal. The key here in terms of like reference and so on is the Cactus Mountains, which is a reference to, like, I think it's probably only, it's, it's very, a very small component of the transition of Juan Romero. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't recognize it offhand. It's a mine. It's a yeah. mine. That it's, it's, it's mostly, it's for gold, gold not coal. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and it has, it has actually one of my favorite lines that I feel like in terms of like commercial catchphrases that I've invented that I feel like actually could be usable in spite of it also being cynical and weird, mm-hmm. which is the ask a coal man to darken your doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode one opens in Ma's boarding house. Is that like a common spot in Arkham? Is that a thing that a lot of modules visit? It comes up occasionally. I think it might be in a fiction or two, but I, uh, th- one of the other places where it shows up like pretty prominently is actually in the Arkham Horror board games. Like Ma's boarding house is one of the locations Interesting. There. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. You know, in terms of this, it was just kind of a good place for the adventure to start with random disparate characters, which is always a concern if you're letting people make their own characters in Call of Cthulhu because you end up with just this crazy jazz age motley crew of weirdos and uh, just people who live in the boarding house is a good way to kind of bring them all together. Like, okay, so in episode one, this is when father, grandfather, you know, cracks that whip into Ma's face. <laughs> he just jumped out the gate, like just whipping her in the face. And it was just like, I can't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't just, I, when I, when I, I remember editing it and I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe this is the, like this, this is the first thing out the gate. <laughs> this old 60 year old man is just busting this old woman's <laughs> face with a bullwhip. And then like everybody else was just like, Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody had been used to Brandon's ad- antics and just like everybody just went back into their room and they're like, cool, you guys can deal with that. Uh, All the fine. doors like opening and closing <laughs> is one of my favorite images from the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, my, my big question for you as I was listening to that episode was yeah. like, cause you handled it beautifully. Yeah. Cause it was just this thing of like, you know, it cracks the whip, it hits her in the face and then the police officer standing next to her. Like it was just, Perfect. My big question to you was when Brandon did that, did you know what you were in for or do, were you like, oh, I've got you, friend? Or like, you know, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. what, how, how, did that, how did that play out for you? Well, so th- that's kind of a funny thing because I was really, you know, pretty nervous up front because, you know, I didn't know what to expect. This was my first time ever doing it in like a recorded fashion. So I was pretty nervous to, you know, be in this space and it's very different when you're trying to pay attention to your first time ever really being on a mic and you know trying to maintain good mic etiquette and keep your face in front of it and then also like pay attention to your notes and also pay attention to all the other characters it was it was a lot but like for some reason as soon as that whip cracked 
it all clicked. At, at that moment, it was like, okay, I'm doing this. I feel at home now. I'm in my, I'm in my element. And like all doubt washed away at that point. And th- that was the thing is I was just in the middle of describing door opens, Ma and this police officer, and I got... Uh, hold cu- on, I'm getting my bull whip. <laughs> yeah, and like before I could finish describing what was on the other side of that door, that whip comes yeah. out and like, okay, <laughs> we're doing this. So it was actually comforting in a way. I don't know, maybe I've just GM so much stuff, I'm used to ridiculousness, and it's it's a fun challenge for me dealing with absolute left field insanity like that. Oh, by the way, father-grandfather's fear is gynophobia. He's afraid of women. That's why he whips Ma in the face. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't, didn't know, know that? that? No. Yeah, if you, if you go to the, the you know, CthulhuMystery.com and you go to the, the page that has character portraits and everything, it lists everybody's fears. You can read our um, character sheets, the, the final ones, like the, see all the notes on them and doodles and everything. But yeah, gynophobia. That's that's why he whips Ma. It's not even just he, it's Brandon being like, uh, uh, I got to role play this, right? Okay, here we go. You told me to, you told me to lean into the, the fears and, and manias. So here I go. I'm doing it. That's yeah. what happened. <laughs> wow. Yep. Mental disorders, gynophobia. The more yep. you know. Wow. His portrait is perfect. Art by K. Very well done. Mm-hmm. Extremely. I like so. Oh, I meant, I meant on his actual character sheet. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> yeah. Drawings by Brandon Gerson are special experiences. <laughs> yes. yes. They are. Before we get too far into it, actually, there's a there's a little demo of something that I can share that was the first pass at like showing Colin, hey, Colin, 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 I'm gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do this radio play thing, okay? So like, here's how it's gonna start. <laughs> we all have Tourette's, our characters. So just randomly, when you eat one of those, we're just like, Woo! <laughs> who does hot? Like, nobody knows what we're talking about. But before we set off another bomb, let's dive into the mystery. Nerdy Show is proud to present the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. of night and a noble <laughs> evil from beyond time cries out what dark deeds unfold on the streets of Arkham and which unwitting souls innocent or impure will succumb to the maddening call the call of Cthulhu yes slithering beneath the surface of this unassuming burg are horrors true horrors the likes of which the human mind dare not comprehend. But tonight, the five denizens of Big Mama's boarding house will find themselves thrown into a terrifying mystery that pits them face to face with these impossible terrors and a great risk of tumbling headlong into the gaping maw of madness. And now Nerdy Show and Powdered Milk Biscuits bring you part one of tonight's strange story, (laughs) Mystery at Big Mama's Boarding House. Let's meet our cast. Yeah, so that was the. I, I, you're my favorite person. You're my favorite person. Why am like, I? What? 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 Why? I just, I just love you so much. Like, you just, <laughs> I love you so you much. You know, I, I just like, I love how, I don't know. It's just like, but it's like listening to like a, you know how like you get like a demo track at the end of a soundtrack of like you know the things that it just. I love how committed you are, and honestly, it's not that different than what it ended up being i mean it was relatively similar in the the final episode there was just a different voice with uh some affectation put on it 
Yeah, well, the words the words were the same too for the most part, powdered milk biscuits aside. But you could tell by the fidelity of the recording. It may have been done on my phone, even like it was I like think it was. Yeah, that it was just really. It was just like, hey, Colin, 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 look at this. Yeah, yeah. This is my first time really like getting a sense of the the kind of the background to all this because it was like I ran the game and then like I think a couple of like hints of what was going on with it in the background, but then it was just final thing fully formed. That's awesome, yeah. and I'm glad to have been a part of it. And then <laughs> yeah. like. Well, it's a shame it's so long, and they had to put so much work into it. I am never going to hear from these folks again. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, because I edited this, I think, in April or June of 2015, and then Cap sent back some notes in July, and then in late September is when we started putting the audio effects into it. I don't know what the hell we were doing for that whole year in between. I think dreading, dreading what we knew was going to be a big project. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, oh, I lo- again, once again, like I, I'm just looking through these emails. Like, there's once again in September. Like, are you really cool with me using a bit of royalty-free twenties jazz, or do you want me to strictly stick to the composed music? And you were like, yeah, it's a 100% okay, because like you know, I, I, I was just really making sure that you were down with it, and it was just, it was great. Yeah, hey, my so. only concern was copyright, as far as I recall. Yes, like, yes, yes. Um, so unfortunately, you yeah. found a big index of stuff that no one has the rights to anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's plenty of that, which uh, I was really glad to hear it in the show because it helps place it. Yeah, it anchors mm-hmm. it a lot. It anchors it really well. You did such a good job integrating that. It's especially heard in the first episode in one of like the best, my favorite audio design moments of series one is when Cyril is wrestling father grandfather and like you can hear him like like pound him up against the wall and the record player skips and like all this other, like you really like suddenly we were doing something that was a lot more involved and spatial than we'd ever yeah. done before. Right. Yeah. And not just spatial, but also special. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Aww. and so let's get back to Luke. So, you me. know, why me? It crack- <laughs> we cracked the whip, and then almost immediately the party was split. Almost immediately, we were in tatters without bringing everybody together. Although, kind of this incident brought everybody together, which is very interesting. <laughs> as soon as he did it, I saw where this was going. But you know, part of the magic of it is ultimately I've only got a loose idea and. I think it helped bring everybody else together. Father Grandfather is such a terrible person. At least we're not him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yep. Yeah, and everybody was so normal in comparison. It was kind of interesting at how, like, because Brandon was basically playing this unbelievably broad kind of madcap character. And then Hank, Doug's character, was extremely grounded, as was Rules. And then Kay was slightly eccentric. And then Cap always has some kind of very interesting eccentricities to her characters. But in consideration of some of the other people that you've played, this one was a lot more, yeah, Cyr- you know. Cyril's just a normal guy. Cyril's just trying yeah. to get through the day. Cyril might have, <laughs> like, a little bit of a substance abuse problem. But that, you know, is it a problem or is it just like, yeah, you know, yeah. a thi- it's recreational. Back off. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that was one of the things I was thinking about, like going back over this again, which is like a lot of the the, the later seasons that we've done kind of have like these buddy groups where, where, where certain characters kind of pair off. And in a way, this first one is kind of different because it's really rather than like a couple of buddy groups where characters have their natural like other that they're with. It was like different people plugging into Cyril. 
Like there's really yeah, like it just it just kind of felt that way. Like like there's like Cyril and the, and the detective like kind of like taking charge of the situation, mm. or Cyril and uh, Miss Delaney having their moments together. I thought in a in a lot of ways like even though like Cyril was never consistently like the person pushing things along, Cyril was the, kind of the heart of the show in a lot of ways where where everybody kind of plugged into that mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's really funny yeah it's it's interesting it's extremely interesting because it's, uh, one of my favorite li- you know you talk about one of your favorite parts of the whole show was in that first episode with the record scratching one of my favorite lines in the whole series is your your line of like <laughs> it's like what do you look like well how how pretty are you and like you know and it's like i'm she's like i'm i'm an i'm an 11 and attractiveness oh i, I too am an 11 two women 11 it was just like so hilarious it's like it's like oh the two of us together could make a 22 and it's just like you know it was just i love that and that's the kind of stuff that you get from a non-scripted piece of work you know like that's the kind of in the room sort of improv in the moment making things work that i really think it sets us apart from a lot of the different pieces of audio drama out there by having that extra element that is honestly makes some of the work that we do take a lot longer and a lot <laughs> there it's a lot more difficult than just having a scripted piece just yeah, from the get go but i also so, like i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do it any other way like i think about this all the nah, time like i think about how yeah. easy it would be but like working with this raw material like this i mean this is this is how you get ghostbusters like you have right. you know you have a loose outline but you you let the actors like do their thing and embody their characters and yeah. if if they just stuck to the script, that movie would be garbage. Yeah, I mean, interesting garbage, but like, but not the same, you know, not not a classic. In listening to this again, I was reminded of how nervous I was about Dolores as a character because, like, we get we start doing the character introductions, and Kay's like, "I got nothing." I mean, like, it's that's what it sounds like anyway. That's what yeah. it felt like. And then it turned like she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm just like I'm very like I'm I'm vanilla. Like, there's nothing to me." And like, "Oh, I, an encyclopedia of beige and all that." Yeah, and, which mm-hmm. started getting more funny. But then by the time the game started, it was immediate that she like, "Oh no, she's actually a really subtle character, and this is really brilliant." Like, <laughs> the policeman's like, "I'm sorry, ma'am. Did I uh, did I did I wake you up?" And she's like, "Oh no, I don't sleep." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, we 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 need you to come downstairs. She's like, "Oh, it won't be too rousing, will it?" <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. it might. Yep. Yeah. And I really want to know Sam's backstory. Rule had, I don't know, he was playing it just like, I don't know, I don't know what his deal was. And I don't know if Rule knows what his deal was, but he was so eager to chase every lead, every red herring immediately. He was just a fiend. Yeah. Yeah. I I think part of that was just like him really just reveling being in the game. Yeah. Like, like, Like he just seemed to really enjoy getting into that detective space and just cutting loose i don't think it's an accident that he picked that kind of character no yeah (laughs) yeah and it was also just an idea you know i think that he wanted to make sure that he got all of the information you know it's like when you're playing detective games like you we want to make sure that you're getting all of the pieces to put together the puzzle you might arrive at the same answer if you got 75 percent of the puzzle but you might not get the whole thing and rule likes to get the whole idea before he moves forward. Yeah, he, so. he was going for the completion achievement. Yeah. Yes, he, to- he definitely was. <laughs> if only we'd had coins to give him at the time. <laughs> Although then again, like I think, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not really in any episode, but like there was, there was the whole side thing of going to uh, Miriam's uh, workplace that, that like I think got cut out entirely. That, yeah. that never happened, yeah. She was a typist, so it was her place yeah. of business. 
was there something waiting for us there? Or was that just another thing we could do? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a place to go. But I'm I swear I remember uh, um, rule talking about wanting to go there and check it out. I think we might have just cut it off because we're like, oh, it's been running late already. Yeah, but with no leash, we we, we would have had that whole thing of just going to talk to uh, you know her coworkers. Which would have just been like some interesting, weird alternate stuff, but not necessarily anything world shaking. Right. One thing that definitely tells me that it's a series one and not the craft with which the later series are like, I, I don't mean that in an insulting way to series one, not. but like series two. No, like, no, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You guys really honed it into a craft going into series two, like, like with very much, you know, knew what you were going to do and everything. This was kind of a lucky accident in some ways. It was. A lot of your talent and skill making something great, but didn't quite know what you wanted with it yet. And one one thing in, in episode one that I can tell that is before father grandfather finally gets dragged away when he kicks the teacup out of Ma's hand. Like initially what happens is he gets tackled to the ground and then truncheoned into unconsciousness and then kind of on the fly. We retcon it into instead he pretends to stroke out and Cyril mm. throws him against the wall and then chokes him out. Yeah. Like, looser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B- both of those happen in in the audio. Like you can even hear the truncheon sounds of father grandfather being pummeled into unconsciousness. That's true. <laughs> like Gosh. I, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I like I, I love that sound because it's so so like brutal. But uh, it was just kind of an interesting thing that that kind of caught me. Where like if this was season two, Cap, I, I don't think she would have let that fly. No, but... I would have picked one <laughs> or yeah. combined the best bits yep. somehow into one master. Yeah. Choked unconscious right, and trunched right. at the same time. Yeah, whatever you know, whatever preserves yeah. the most comedy. That's what, but also makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are because also too at that time we were running on the Dungeons and Doritos kind of formula. The way the thing, yeah, that formula, which was more along the lines of like doing what is true to what happened at the table, as opposed to having things like the truth of what was happening at the table was more important than having a little bit of a tighter continuity. And so it was more like that was the, I think that's the reason for that sort of thing. It's like there it was a different lens that we were looking at this series yeah. um, at the time. It's fun and playful, though. And, you know, it's always oh, ni- totally. It's yeah, a, it's great. It, it's always nice to hear uh, father grandfather getting uh, shit on for being <laughs> father grandfather in as many ways as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and I do still love this way of making actual play podcasts. Should Dungeons and Doritos come out of hiatus? That is like still how we play that. But. I think it's just as we as we leaned more into the formula of audio drama, like it was so more exciting to see how far we could take it and, and how far we could push adaptation of improvisational material. But anyway, that's that's a story for like, I don't know, eight episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> this episode closes with Abernathy by Chamber Band from their record Careers. And this is actually the world premiere of this song, which is pretty great because Careers is a stone cold classic now, at least in, you know. Nerd circles. <laughs> For those in the know. Yeah, well, and hey, you know, Chris and Ellen from Chamber Band, Chamber Band's still a thing, but they went on to write 36 Questions, the three-part musical podcast from uh, Two Up Productions, which is one of the best audio drama podcasts of all time. So we're fraternizing with the right people. <laughs> <laughs> there was a question about bringing in, you know, this to have music at the end of all of the episodes, but cutting right from that stylized narrator to really high fidelity music seemed really jarring. And so, you know, there was a discussion of like leading the opening couple uh, seconds of a song 
in with that kind of uh, same effect that was put on the the narrator uh, and then you know fading it out into the um, normal high fidelity music um, and I think that that really works with the styling of the show yeah which we still do to this day on the show in fact uh, there's also some other criteria now which is that for the first series, I was initially I was like, every song is going to be a cover, and it's all going to be a cover in the style of that time period, and that didn't end up panning out. There's a bunch of um, if you want to hear like some weird shit that I was experimenting with, is like things we could do in this series. There's one of our Patreon perks is me demoing a bunch of stuff, just like singing into a <laughs> microphone, coming up with weird ideas. I turn a bat for lashes song into a weird sermon that would be like you know tuned in on the radio or something like that. Sounds like some old school Reverend Horton Heat stuff there. <laughs> The criteria really ended up being in the long run something that when it starts doesn't sound wrong for the time period. It can Mm. become wrong, but it can't start wrong. So that's why you'll hear like throughout, especially in series two when I got a little bit more lax with things, you'll hear hear songs that just, they start and they, they don't sound modern and then eventually a synth will come in or something like that. But in series one, I was avoiding synths completely, I think. Yeah, I th- well, I think it works, like, with what we eventually ended up doing in Series 2. Yeah. Like, that that little start transition. Yeah, it makes it a little bit of an added challenge, but it also um, means that sometimes when I'm looking at too many options, it's easy to pair them back. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to close this out, this uh, this first installment of Cthulhu Cthomentary, with an early demo for the track that's now called Arkham Dusk, which was the uh, the basis for Ryan testing out the chord progressions of what is the the sort of world theme or the Arkham theme of Call of Cthulhu, the the like the six note progression. We were talking a lot about themes and scores and how to assemble like simple motifs that could reoccur. And this is the basis for all of it right here in this early version.
new episodes of Cthulhu Cthulhu release weekly on Patreon. Join our community of fans and help fund future seasons of Mystery Program at patreon.com slash omniversemedia. Not everyone realizes this, so here's a little pro tip. Patrons get access to a personal RSS feed. You can plug that into your favorite podcast player, so all new episodes of Cathomentary, early releases of podcasts, and any audio bonus content that we release will slide directly into your listening rotation, which is super-duper handy. I should mention, Cathomentary isn't only an episodic exploration. We also go deeper into specific parts of our production. For example, the episode we released prior to this one discussed the confluence of happenings that created the show and assembled the first series. But also, we give our two cents on Lovecraftian media, such as Luke and I's review of the recent film adaptation of The Color Out of Space. In future episodes, you'll also hear us discuss the series' score with composer Ryan McQuinn, and from time to time, our episodic discussions are joined by other players from the series. Also available on Patreon is our expanded editions of the original scores to Cthulhu, as well as outtakes, behind-the-scenes illustrations, updates on future series, and speaking of future series, we've released one of them to our patrons in its raw, actual play format. No sound effects, no cuts, just nearly nine hours of laughs, pure gameplay, and ruthless mayhem. It's a story about down-and-out criminals hunting for fishy gold, and it's called The Spoils of Innsmouth. It is going to be released publicly with our patented audio drama tailoring uh, sometime in the future. But for now, you can indulge in this sordid, soggy story in its uncut entirety at patreon.com slash omniversemedia. And because I always like to put a cherry on top, we've got a special offer on right now. Patrons who subscribe or upgrade at $5 or more will be sent a Cthulhu Fatagnan button and a mystery program bookmark in the mail. This is a limited time engagement, and as of this episode's publication, there's only a couple weeks left. So, you know what to do. Folks, friends, my dearest darling darlings, I can never, ever, 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 ever overstate that it wouldn't be possible for us to make any of the shows we do without your support. So, to all of our patrons, to everyone who's ever flipped a fish coin our way, to all you kind folks who listen and share, Thank you so, so, so much for believing in our work, for becoming producers of our series, and for helping us tell our uncanny tales. It means the world, and we're eternally grateful. Keep your eyes trained on the undulating of Aldebaran, and also on our socials at Cthulhu Mystery on Twitter and Facebook, or of course Patreon, to find out details as to when our next series will slither its way into your podcast feeds. Ta-ta. For now. Omniverse. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's a tale of learning and healing. We've got a whole province going to see one overworked witch in a candy cottage that's been chewed to pieces by the local kids. Of fairies and magic. You're touching the sapphire of assessment! I'm not touching it! I'm just putting my hand near it as I focus my brainial waveforms on it. Stop it! I'm not even touching it! Of struggle against the odds. This is my team. 
They may not live up to your vision of a perfect, efficient department. They don't live up to my vision of a stampede in a barnyard. Ooh, Kingly, that's how you know it's working. And now, it returns at last. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, Season 2. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, from Fable and Folly. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or look us up at fableandfolly.com.